Well, good morning. Good to see you today. We are so glad that you're here uh, this morning. We have the opportunity between last service and this service and next service to have 14 people join our church in membership. And two, we're going to dedicate two babies today and baptize three people today. So let's give God a hand for that. That is awesome. And if you're, if you're here visiting today uh, relative to, to that, or if you're just visiting in general, we're glad that you're here as well. We're in a series called Family Life, the good, the bad, and the crazy, yeah? Family life, I don't know if you know this or not, but families can be crazy, right? Raise your hand if you have somebody in your family, they don't have to be here, that you think's a little bit crazy. Just put your hand in the air. Come on, let's be honest, right? Don't nudge your husband or your wife or point like somebody's over here going like over there, right? <laughs> families can be crazy, which makes family life crazy, and it can be good, it can be bad, right? Some of us in here, we would say family's good. Uh, some of us in here, you'd say family life is bad, and maybe in some cases really bad, and uh, you're in the right place. And all of us would probably say at times that family life is crazy. Our schedules are crazy, our kids may be crazy, our spouse may be crazy, our job may be crazy, it can just be crazy. Growing up, I thought my family life was crazy. One of the crazy things I had to do was share a room with my brother Jade. I have a young, I have several siblings, but my brother Jade is two years younger than me. And not only did we have to share a bedroom, but for a while we had to share a bed. I know that sounds crazy. But I remember, again, crazy, crazy life. I remember telling my dad, Dad, I can feel the hairs on my brother's leg. It's time for us to part ways, right? Come on. Some of us who've had our own room our whole life, all right, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not mad at you, but maybe a little bit, but I didn't have that opportunity. Um, and I share that with you today because there's a time where sometimes families have to, to go their separate ways. That's what we're going to be talking about in Genesis chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. If not, if you have a smartphone and you download the Version Bible app, you can find under the events section, as Steve talked about, the notes for today, as well as Bible reading stuff that you can read during the week. So we've got a lot of good feedback on that. A lot of more people are using that. So I encourage you to do that. But as I share with you about that today, have you ever had people that you have to love from a distance in your family? You love them, but you don't like them. It took me a while to figure that out because, you know, there's always people you're like, I love, I don't, I don't think I don't want to hang out with them, but I also don't hate them. Okay, you're probably thinking, I can't believe you're saying this. It's the truth, right? We have people in our lives, we love them, but we don't always like them or the situation just gets kind of strained. If you don't believe me, watch how stressed people get around the holidays when they have to be around people maybe that they don't normally have to be around. You guys are all stiff today. You know this is true, right? You know this is true. And so uh, this is what's happening in Genesis chapter 13. I want to just share with you real quickly, not to bore you, but it'll help set up the story. There's this family, okay? And in this family, there's an uncle named Abram, and we know later to be Abraham. Uh, if you've heard of this song from, you know, VBS, Father Abraham had many sons. If you're familiar with that, Abraham in this story is the uncle. And Lot, who we're going to be talking about specifically today, is Abram's nephew. And what we're going to learn about this family today is that family life is all about location, location, 
location. Let's say that together. When it comes to family life, it's all about location, 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 right? That's what was happening. Here's the, here's what happened. God tells Abraham, hey, I want to pick you to make a great nation out of. But here's the deal. You're too comfortable. You've got money, you've got all your friends, and, and you know everybody in town. I want you to go to somewhere else. I need you to leave your country and leave all this stuff and go and start a great nation. And that is hard to do. Abraham, the Bible, we know from that scripture that Abraham was rich. He had all kinds of livestock and, and just networks. But he also, he loved God more than those things. And so he said, okay, I'll leave and I'll go. So he takes his livestock and he takes his family with him. And he takes his nephew with him who's named Lot. And they go out and they begin to do life together and listen to God and kind of go where he's wanting them to go. But there's a problem that arises, much like problems that arise in our family. The problem is they have so much livestock between them. Lot's got his own money and he's got livestock and he's got stuff as well. That the grass and the, and, and the places that the livestock are eating between the two families, there's just, there's not enough land. And more importantly and more critical in that same story is that, uh, Lot, Lot has herdsmen. They're, they're people that work for him. And Abram has herdsmen, people that work for him. Abram and Lot are getting along, but the herdsmen aren't. You ever had that where you're the peacemaker in the family, but there's other people like, can you guys just get along? It's Christmas, you know, all that kind of a thing. And that's what's happening here. Lot's got people that don't like people that Abram has. And Abram has people that don't like Lot's people, whatever, right? It's just starting to get chaotic. And so Abram decides, I need to talk to Lot. You know, have you ever had to have a talk with a family member and it doesn't always go well? Awkward, Right? And so Abram's like, I got to talk to him because this is getting bad. And so he goes to his nephew and he says, here's the deal. Okay. I'm not mad at you. You're not mad at me, but this isn't working well. Okay. You need to move out and get a job kind of a thing. And so Abram basically says, this isn't working. I tell you what I'm going to do. I want you to look at the land around you. You've got it up there on the screen. You can see it. And anywhere you see, you get first choice. And whatever's left, or whatever you don't want, I'll take. So Abraham, or Lot, he just looks around all over the countryside. And we've got the tents here on the side, you see, because they we're going to talk about where we put our tent matters. And as Lot's looking around the territory, he looks to the west, and he looks to the south, and he looks to the north, but he starts to focus over here to the east side. Everybody say east side. East side, right? He's, he's over here to the east side. And as he's looking, he takes a long look. Everybody say long look. Long look, right? It's like I shared with you a couple weeks ago. The first time I saw my wife, I'm like, whoa. So I, I'm like taking a long look. He takes a long look and he likes what he sees. And here's what he sees. Dollar signs start going off in his head because he's looking at this land and it's beautiful, right? It's all about location, location, location. It's beautiful and there's plenty of water for his livestock. And you see it there on the screen. The whole area was watered well and it's like the garden of the Lord, this beautiful land of Egypt. And he's just thinking, you know, my kid, I'm going to have, it's kind of like when you buy some property, you're going to build a house on. And it's just like looking out your back door and you just see this beautiful scenery and you're like, that's where I need to build my house. Lot looks at this land. He sees the beauty of it. 
And he starts to zero in on this. Doesn't take into account some other stuff we're going to talk about just in a minute. And it says, Lot chose for himself the east side. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abraham. Let's read this together. Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. Now here's what happened. Lot was so in love with the land that he didn't realize or underestimate it how close his family was going to be to Sin City. And I'm not talking about Las Vegas, okay? I'm talking about a place called Sodom. And the Bible tells us that it was a, peop- a place in Genesis 13 that were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. And some of us, maybe if you've not even been around church, you've heard the term Sodom and Gomorrah before. But if not, this place was an ugly, nasty place. And Lot and his family take their tents and they move themselves to the east side. And immediately when they get to the east side, a war breaks out and they kidnap Lot and his family. Abraham, God allows someone to escape and tell Abraham. Abram hears about it. And he goes and he rescues his family. And you would think that this is where Lot would say, maybe this is just not the best place. But he's dense. You ever know any people that their heart's in the right place, but they're a little bit dense? Don't point fingers at anybody, right? They just, you love them, but just like they just keep making dumb choices after dumb choices. But bless their heart, their heart's in the right place, right? I've heard people say that, well, their heart's in the right spot, which means their decisions are not. And Lot's in that spot. And he goes back to where he shouldn't have been. And outside, what we find is there's this progression in this family where they're outside this evil city. They're at the gates of the evil city. And they end up living inside the city. And in the meantime, God is getting more and more disgusted by the nasty, sinful, sexual immorality and just total, just against God stuff that's going on. And so God says, I'm going to destroy this city. And again, Abram hears about this and he says, God, don't, you know, don't destroy the city. Well, if we can find 50 people there, God, would you not destroy the city? And he keeps dwindling it down to where they can't really find anybody. And God says, you know, I'm going to destroy this city. And Lot goes to his family who's there. And he says, we got to get out of here. God's going to destroy the city. And long story short, the, 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 his family is so attached because they've grown up here to this evil city that it's like almost impossible to get him out. He finally, they finally do it. They get out of the city. The angels tell his wife, the family, when you leave the city, don't look back. Don't turn around and look back. So as they're leaving the city, Lot's wife is it got attached. She turns around. She turns into a pillar of salt. Uh, his daughters end up making some bad decisions. And in the end, you're looking back at this story and this family and you're like, what happened? Have you ever felt that way? I know in my family at times growing up, you know, you say, what happened? Maybe you and your family, you say, what happened? How did we get here? Why, you know, what's going on? And I want to just make some observations today because I know that many of us, all of us really, we learn from failure. In fact, some of the things you do really well in life are probably because you failed prior or someone else failed and you took wisdom and didn't make their decision. 
So if Lot was here today and he's saying, man, my family just, it fell apart. What would Lot say, if I had it to do over again, I would do this? What would it be? What would that look like? Okay. I think these are the things Lot would say. Lot would say that my eyes were more focused on the financial wealth instead of spiritual health. Let's read that. Lot's eyes saw financial wealth instead of spiritual health. I share that with you today, and we're going to unpack what that means for us today. Because Lot was so focused on one specific thing that he didn't realize that that they'd spent all their time, energy, money, and effort on this. And that didn't matter to God. In fact, Abram took the leftover. His land was the rocky hill country. And God blessed him. And he had half the land and, you know, or had not near the beautiful land that, that, uh, that Lot had. And here's what David says. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Everybody say worthless things. And give me life through your word. In other words, as we're growing our families or we're looking back and saying what happened, I think a lot of us can have the same thing happen to us that happened a lot. And maybe some of us have experienced this before and you would say the same thing. That when some things look attractive, maybe they're really not. Lot got focused on what was seen rather than what was unseen. Does that make sense? Lot got focused on the beauty of the land. That's easy and tangible to see rather than the influence that that city was going to have on his family, which is unseen. Make sense? So here's the action step. What can we do as families to avoid that? Here it is. Pray to see like God. Let's say that. Pray to see like God. You've heard me say this before, and if you're new, then you're getting to hear it. And if you've been gone for a while, I said it earlier in this series. As we walk with God, He gives us insight to be able to see the unseen. If we don't walk with God, all we see is what we see. But as we walk with God and He speaks to us, He gives us wisdom and discernment to say, you know, I don't know what it is about that person, but for, I don't know if that's a good info. I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but I don't trust that situation. I can't, I, God gives me discernment. I don't know if that's the best thing for my kids. I don't know if that's the best thing to have that job, to be around that temptation all the time. See, as we walk with God, he gives us discernment, but Lot got locked in on the tangible And he missed the intangible. So how do we avoid that? God, would you give me eyes to see what I can't see? Jesus, would you touch Noah and Gracie and Luke? Would you protect them? Would you give them wisdom to pick a right spouse and to follow you and to make decisions that are not easy but right? Lord, would you protect me when I go to work and I'm working with Mr. Floozy or Mrs. Floozy and there being, there's a temptation there. Lord, would you, Father, maybe you're calling me to do something different. Lord, would you give me wisdom with that? You know, God, as I'm praying for you, I've walked by this person and for some reason, you, you're giving me the wisdom to just sit and talk to them. There's something going on with them. But if I'm not walking with you, maybe I don't pick up on that. As we pray to have eyes like God, we see things that we wouldn't normally see. And I say that little tangent not to bore you, 
But sometimes we're focused on the wrong thing because we're mesmerized by Vegas. We're mesmerized by the lights and all this stuff. And God's like, I don't give a flying rip about that. I care about your spiritual health. You were so focused on that land that you didn't know that just not that far away was a city that was going to take your family and rip it apart. You see, Lot, number two, Lot underestimated the influence Sodom would have on his family. There's a progression, guys. There's a progression that takes place. I didn't weigh this when I moved here in 2003. And I'm looking back through my pictures and Witt's like, look at all our kids. Look at us. I'm like, I'll tell you, this is depressing. I'm just flipping the pictures back, getting skinnier as I'm going backwards in time. (laughs) How did this happen? One cheeseburger at a time, baby. (laughs) Don't say that, Whitney. I guarantee you, when Lot found out that Sodom was over there, and he had put his tent up near the city, but not in the city, he had no plans to be living inside of Sodom. But what we see is them outside the city, them at the gates, and them living inside the city, Lot underestimated. And here's what's scary. The Bible tells us that Lot was a good man. He was a righteous man. He was a foolish person. So you can be a good person and make foolish decisions. He was right with God. The Bible calls him righteous. But even though he was righteous... He lost his family. His wife dies. His daughters make bad decisions. And he miscalculated. Some of us have heard this quote. Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. Keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And cost you more than you ever intended to pay. Let's say that together. Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. Keep you longer than you wanted to stay and cost you more than you wanted to pay. Lot was able to stay strong amid the temptations of Sodom, but his family wasn't. He lost his kids, he lost his wife because he didn't examine who and what influenced his family on a regular basis. I don't share this with you to try to make us all feel bad. But at the same time, it's informational. I need to know it and you need to know it. And grandparents, you need to know it. We need to examine who and what influences our family all the time. He didn't take into account his daughters weren't going to just hang out in a tent near Sodom all the time. They were going to get bored. They needed somewhere to go. And all of a sudden, the money was making off the grass and off the livestock and all of that. That started to pale into comparison as he looks at the change in the shape and the difference in his family. You see, Lot's intentions didn't rescue his family from destruction. Let's say that together. Lot's intentions didn't rescue his family from destruction. Now, God knows our motives, and that's the most important thing. If our motives are right, that, that, that matters more than our behavior. It's our motive of our heart. Luke spilled some Cheerios on the floor the other day. I'm like, Luke. And Witt's like, he didn't mean to. 
So what she's saying is, don't get him in trouble. His intentions were good. But his intentions didn't keep the Cheerios from being on the floor. I'm not trying to go in there. I gave him grace and it's all good. But it's direction, not intention, that determine a person's destination. You can have intentions to go on a diet. I've had intentions for the last 10 years to go on a diet. Uh, but my destination's the same place because I haven't done it. Does that make sense? I mean that kind of funny, but but truthful. And I don't mean it just about weight. It's about anything. You can intend, to, well, you know, I, we need to take a family vacation. And then 10 years go by and you've never taken one. You know, we need to get, get into church. That's a better thing to do, but, but you don't ever go. We need to intend to, you know, to, to stop working so many hours so we can spend time with our families. Listen, intentions are great, but it doesn't change where we are. I'd like to, I intend to clean up that room. I intend to clean up my house. I intend to do the laundry. I intend to, to ask my, talk to my kids. I intend to ask them how they're doing. I intend, I intend, I intend, I intend. Intentions don't change the situation. Direction does. I believe that Lot's intentions, when he took his tent and he camped it next to Sodom, were good. I believe that. I don't think he was going there to try to ruin his family. But he was so focused on the wrong things that he lost his family in the process. I think Lot would say that we have to start doing what we've always been saying we need to do. Not everybody's going to take each action step that we mentioned today. But in case someone's curious, how do I get out of Sodom? How do I get out of this mess? Start doing what you've always been saying you need to do. Let's read that. Start doing what you've always been saying you need. Now here's some encouragement. Sometimes we have people in our lives that are foolish. And there's been times in my life where I've been foolish. But God's provision, which is a fancy word for protection for Lot, was possible because Adam's or Abraham had a relationship with God. God's provision for Lot was made possible because of Abraham's relationship with God. Now, we just talked about the carnage. We just talked about the destruction of all this. But here's the positive. Lot got out of there. Lot's daughters got out of there. And it was because Abraham was walking with God and had relationship with God. I'm going somewhere with this. Hang on. And he was praying with God and God kind of clued him in. Hey, Abraham, your nephew Lot, he's in a bad spot and you need to come and rescue him. Can I tell you today, I'm not standing on this stage if my family and my grandparent, my dad and whoever else was not laying on their face praying for me. I'm not here. I'm not doing this. I'm doing something else. The only reason I'm here today is because there were people that were praying for me. And I tell you that today. Because God hears the prayers of not just yourself, but he hears your prayers on behalf of someone else. That's the truth. And I share that with you today because we all have been in Sodom before or we know someone that is. And don't give up. Don't get, don't quit praying. Don't quit interceding. 
I watched my pastor when I was in St. Louis. Every Tuesday, him and his wife would go in the office and they would skip their lunch and they wouldn't pray for the church. They wouldn't pray for wisdom on how to get more people to church. They prayed and they fasted for their children. And they had good kids. They were being proactive. They didn't have bad kids. I'm thinking, well, is there something going on with them? No. Well, then we're just praying that they'll find the right spouse, that they'll choose the right path. I've met both their spouses since then. They're awesome. I believe that part of the reason that Michael and Mandy have amazing spouses is because Michael and Mary skipped lunch every Tuesday and prayed their guts out for their kids. Don't take for granted that your prayers don't intercede. God listened to Abraham's request. Lot's the one in trouble. God listened to Abraham's request. Wait, shouldn't it be Lot's request? God listened to who? And kept Lot safe. Lot didn't even ask for help. His uncle did. And, it, and because of Abraham's prayer, God removed Lot from disaster. So what's that mean? Intercede for those who need you who intercede for those who need God to rescue them. Let's read that together. Intercede for those who need God. And you know, sometimes they don't even always and this is what's interesting. God tells Abraham, Abraham lets Lot know. He says, guys, we got to get out of here. And because they had grown up in the city, they didn't even want to go. It was like, if you read that story, if you go to Genesis chapter 13, 14, I think it's chapter 19, you just read it on your own sometime. You'll see that Abraham's fa- or Lot's family, they didn't even want to leave. They had become so addicted to that culture that it was almost a miracle just to get them to get up and move out of it. Lot too. Sometimes we don't realize the influence that something has on us. This is a true story. You'd think as pastors that my wife and I would have family devotions with our kids every night. and We don't. We're trying to get in a better habit of that. And a while back, Wit's like, we need to do this. We need to do this. We talk about doing this. We've done it periodically, but not like we probably should. You can judge me if you want. It's the truth. And the other day, Wit said, we're doing it. And we gathered in the living room. And my kids were struggling with it. Especially Luke. Not just because he was fidgeting. it was so, we hadn't done it in so long that it, it didn't feel normal. You know what I'm saying? And I told Whitney, I said, that's why we got to get in a better habit of this because it's not going to be normal. And if it's not going to be normal in their life when they have kids and they grow up, it's not going to be normal. If we go to church once a year, if we don't have, if we put everything else above God, we put everything else above, we put everything else above, we grow up and raise a generation that does the same thing. And maybe we just kind of dabble with alcohol and this person becomes an alcoholic and there, this falls apart. Guys, I'm not trying to preach on one specific thing. I'm just saying that there's a progression that happens when something else or a lot of other things get ahead God. I don't mean that judgmental. It's happened in my life and it can happen in your life. We just need to be aware of it. 
It's the truth. And when we return God, rather than feeling good or bad, when we put God first and we start walking with Him, He raises our awareness to the things that maybe we've put ahead of God. You see, when it comes to family life, it's all about location, location, location. And it could be that at some point, maybe there's a dad in here that says, you know what? I don't need to blame it on myself or my family or whoever. But as I start to talk with God, he's telling me that my tent is closer to Sodom than it is to where God's wanting me to go. You know, this is Abram's tent over here, close to God. And maybe God is calling a dad or a family to say, I'm going to choose, no matter whether they want to do devotions or not, whether they want to have a curfew or not, whether they want to come to church or not, whether they want to do what they're supposed to or not, no matter how much they whine or how much they complain. I'm deciding, as Joshua said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, here's the grace. Nobody's perfect. And God can take you, regardless of how close to the city or in the middle of the city you are, and He can do amazing things. And we have stories all over this church and in other churches and in our community where God is... I was talking to somebody the other day that was a just strung out addict and God has cleaned them up and given them a story to encourage other people. But the question I have for all of us today before we close is, what direction are you heading? Intentions are great, but it's the direction and the choices that we're making. I keep meaning to have a talk with my son and tell him I'm sorry. I keep meaning to do it. Well, that's great. Have the talk. I keep meaning to lead. I keep meaning to to talk to my spouse. I keep meaning to to get up out of this bed and 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 start to smile again, but I just I do it. Family life is good. It's bad. And it's crazy. And when we follow God, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden life's going to be good. It just means we have somebody who's with us in the midst of. Amen? Amen. That's kind of a heavy message today, but it's definitely a thought-provoking message today as we think about what direction are we heading. I remember times where my dad would sit on my bed and he'd just kind of leave the topic kind of pregnant. Like he wouldn't put a bell and whistle on it. He'd just ask me a question, tell me something, and I just need to think about it. And I think all of us today, myself included, we just need to think about this. And if there's something in our lives we need to change, we make that change. And if we're going the right direction then that's awesome too. But as we think about family life today, we have the opportunity today to celebrate not only our individual families, but some people that are joining our church today. And as I mentioned earlier, we've had several that are going to be joining throughout today. And we've got several today that are joining in this service. And we're going to invite those, if your name's on the screen, to come forward at this time. Uh, Carlos Matthews and Cameron and Jennifer Folletti, Paul and Angie Sparks, Daniel Jones and Shelly Burns. Let's give them a hand as they come up.
up here. Yeah, just face me. And, you know, it's, it's a fun thing, and, and uh, you feel free if you get nervous staring at all these guys, just stare at me. Uh, it's, it's an awesome thing for, for us to join, for people to join our church, and so we're glad to have them with us. And just want to share with you that, you know, there's privileges and blessings that we have together in the church of Jesus, and they're sacred, and they're precious. Um, in this church specifically, uh, this church has been a church of of generosity and of love and, and of kids for as long as I can remember. And so we're proud to, to serve together. It's a unique community that you really can't find anywhere else. We seek to help each other, not as brothers and sisters in blood, but brothers and sisters spiritually in Christ because we belong to the family of God. There's the godly care of pastors with the teaching of the word and, and the helpful, helpful inspiration of worship. And there's cooperation and service. What that means is there's some things we can do together that we can't do alone. You remember all the shoes we got for the middle school a while back? One of us couldn't do that. It took all of us. And so there's things we can do together that can't be done by ourselves. The doctrine upon which the church rests is essential to Christian experience or brief. Um, we believe in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We emphasize the deity of Jesus and the personality of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the human beings are born in sin that they need the work of forgiveness through Jesus and the new birth by the Holy Spirit, that subsequent to this, there is the deeper work, heart cleansing, or entire sanctification through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and that to each of these works of grace, the Holy Spirit gives witness. We believe that God's going to return, the dead shall be raised, and that all shall come to judgment with his rewards and its punishments. Do you heartily believe these truths? If so, answer, I do. Do you acknowledge Jesus as your personal Savior, and do you realize that he saves you now? If so, answer, I do. Desiring to unite with the Church of the Nazarene, do you covenant to give yourself to the fellowship and work of God in connection with it? And set forth in the covenant of Christian character and the covenant of Christian conduct in the Church of the Nazarene? If so, answer, I do. We endeavor in every way to glorify God by a humble walk, godly conversation, and holy service, by devotedly giving of your means, by coming to church fairly regularly upon the means of grace. If so, answer, I do. I welcome you guys into the church to its sacred fellowship, responsibilities, and privileges. And may the great head of the church, which is Jesus, bless and keep you and enable you to be faithful in all good works, that your life and witness may be effective in leading others to Christ. Let's welcome them. And we're glad that, that uh, you've, you've joined the church. And we, anybody who comes to our church, we welcome them. Oh, got you the wrong one there. We welcome them into our church and just by coming, but we don't always put a ton of emphasis on membership like some do, but as people make that commitment, say, I want to get involved and join, we, we are so glad to do that. So let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Uh, as I also shared, we also get to do uh, baby dedications. We don't have one in this service, but we did one in the first service. We'll do one at 1130. But we have an awesome off, uh, privilege today. Probably this is the one that I get most excited about is baptism, simply because it's just acknowledging that you accepted Jesus 
into your heart and, uh, and following him. And so today I'm going to ask uh, those who are prepared to be baptized in this service to come on, come on up really quickly. And let's give them a hand as they come on up. What does baptism mean? Uh, baptism is just a special and holy symbol of our relationship with Jesus. It's a witness to the body of believers that you're all in for Jesus. And it's described as a, just a, a new covenant of grace. Um, Paul says, have you forgotten what we, what, that when we joined with Christ Jesus in bapti- baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will be raised to life as he was. Um, Let's read this together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell the third day, again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Therefore, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church of Jesus Christ, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. That's a mouthful, isn't it? So will you be baptized into this faith? If so, say, I do. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And do you realize that he saves you now? If so, say, I do. Will you obey God's holy will and keep his commandments, walking in in them all the days of your life? If so, say, I will. All right, let's have a special word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much uh, today, Father, for Kimberly and Brandon, Father. And we pray that you just bless them. And Father, we thank you just for the opportunity we have to celebrate new life in you. We thank you, Lord, for just who they are. Father, we pray that you just bless uh, everyone that's here. And we give you praise and glory and honor for who you are. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Well, if you excuse us, we'll go out and go out through this door right here and we'll go get ready. Let's stand together uh, this morning and have another song of worship. All right. Okay, this is Brandon, um, Brandon Freeman. Brandon said that he wants to take the next step in becoming closer to God and to be forgiven of my sins. I also want to be baptized to be like Jesus and to go to heaven. Amen. I'm going to ask Garrett. uh, Yeah, that's all right. Go ahead and clap. Not everybody knows Brandon, but Brandon is an awesome kid. And I'm not just saying that he's an awesome kid. It's been neat to see how God's worked in his life. He's gotten involved in church and youth group and just we're excited to get to baptize him. And this is uh, Brandon's middle school pastor, Garrett. And Garrett's going to pray for him. Uh, Heavenly Father God, I thank you for Brandon. I thank you for the joy that he brings to our group whenever he comes. God, I thank you so much that you've given him a spirit that is hungry for you. Father, I can't wait to see what you're going to do in his life. I can't wait to see what you're going to do in the life of his family through him. 
I just, I'm so excited to see all the things that you've got planned for him come into fruition. God bless him as he goes. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Brandon Freeman, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, have to get a picture. Kimberly Matthews, and we're glad to have her. We've just been seeing so many new families. We're so glad to have Kimberly. She said uh, she desires to follow the Lord's commandment in accepting him as her Lord and Savior. So let's give Kimberly a hand. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for Kimberly. I thank you, Lord, for her just her walk with you and her choice and her commitment, Lord, to follow you. Pray, Lord, that uh, you would just uh, just keep her, Lord, during the hard times and the good times. May she sense your presence. And, Father, just continue to turn her into the person you want her to, want her to be the same way you do for all of us. We thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Kimberly, if you'll just go right here. You can just put your hands over your nose. Kimberly, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a picture right there. Let's take a picture. All right. All right. All right. Let's stand together and just pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you today for who you are. Father, we just thank you for what you want to do in our lives and in our heart. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have just to come together today and to worship you. Father, we give you praise for these two new lives that have been baptized in you. And Lord, I just pray for each one that's here, Lord, that you would just give us your peace and go with us. And thank you, Lord, that you can put us in a place, Lord, to be uh, what you want us to be. We thank you in Jesus' name. All the people said. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Yeah, go ahead. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a blessed Sunday.